You are interested in the unknown, the mysterious, the unexplainable. That is why you are here. We are gathered here as advisors, as scientists. Welcome to Mission Spooky. I'm your righteous host, JC, and with me today, you know what? I'll upgrade her. She's decent. Kiki. Why, thank you so much. I'm now decent. (laughs) You're welcome. Because I wasn't decent before, guys. No. I wasn't. You were moderately okay, at best. Now you're decent. With a positive can-do attitude... You can achieve your dreams and maybe one day become good. I'm already living my dream doing this podcast. Most people's dreams do involve me. I understand that. So <laughs> I, I didn't say with you. I just said doing the podcast. Yeah, but you're doing the podcast with me and I, I, it's, it's implied, but I get it. So how have you been? Uh, since the last time you saw me, still pretty okay. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that I absolutely love Picard. Uh-huh. That's what that's my jam right now. I feel like that's most, what's up. most people probably that are into the Star Trek stuff, which I love Star Trek. I, I I enjoy Star Trek, I should say. I love Star Wars. I enjoy Star Trek. But yeah, it's a good show. I've enjoyed uh the episode that's come out. So you sent me some uh Bigfoot videos. Well, sound recordings of something creepy in the woods. Yes, and they were they were actually really compelling. I still feel like they are, but I do feel like we not that we're like great or anything and we figured it all out, but I mean, <laughs> I figured it all we out. We figured it They're out. They're Bigfoots. <laughs> yeah. Okay, sure, it's Bigfoot. But what what are some other hypothesis? So, um Listen to some other audio recording. By the way, that video should be up on Facebook. So you guys can uh, check it out. If you haven't already, go check it out because it is really creepy. It's like October of uh, last year, 2019. Canadian hunter was out. His wife and or his wife and like his grandchild or their child was was there. And there was a couple moments where the kid was almost mimicking the sound. And that was a little scary as in if i was a parent even a grandparent i'd be like uh we're getting the hell out of here because i don't know what the hell's going on and my three-year-old is here and screw that yeah but um i played some stuff for jc too Uh uh-huh uh gorilla calls which it sounded a lot alike in my opinion it was very similar it has this bass tone to it and i don't want to play it on the podcast because i actually don't know if it's copyrighted at this point it probably is yeah so i don't want to mess with that we'll link it on the facebook guys check it out yeah. there and by we i mean me since i do all the work on facebook yes and then so the gorilla is close uh we ruled out wolves almost immediately because it's not high-pitched enough to be a wolf even if a wolf was injured it's to me does not sound right like not the right pitch yeah the one that i thought was the most compelling was you wouldn't have thought that it would be a bear 
But when I played some bear noises, there was one instance where two male bears are fighting and they're almost growling at the same time. And it sounds like one growl because mm. they're doing it at the same time. The other video was of a cub kind of whining about something to mommy. Or, and, and I was like, oh my gosh, what if that's what this is? It's actually a bear cub. It has this lower bass growl and then has a little bit of a high-pitched whine at the end. And then the noise that they were hearing was mama bear running towards that sound. It wasn't the creature itself making the noise, or it could have been a little bit of both. Like maybe the the smaller cub is making the noise, trying to find mama, and then mama bear is like running to her because there's an instance where you, you kind of hear her crackling as if something is coming closer to them. So either way, I agreed with the assessment of get the fuck out of the woods because you don't want to mess with a mama bear and a cub anyway. No, 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 definitely not. Bears can be very dangerous. I don't know if you guys know this or not, but very dangerous. Bears can run fast and they uh, can murder you. And just, you know, uh, survival tips from JC. Black bears, you want to fight. So if you can punch, if you're ever attacked by a black bear, you want to fight them. If you're ever attacked by a brown bear, play dead. Those that that's basic bear survival tips from JC. So I have a funny story about a black bear. We that were, sounds racist. We were <laughs> we were driving back down to North Carolina from visiting up here when we were still living down there, and in Virginia, um, there's kind of this windy sort of like road it's it's really fun to drive even at night it's totally navigable but it's kind of just like windy and fun i'm reading a book in the car and my husband was driving and we had a lancer and all of a sudden just bam the car is hit by something and i'm like my book flies up in the air and i'm like i screamed i was like what the hell we didn't we didn't have the kid yet but we had our two dogs in the car we had nara that we have Mm -hmm. now She's an angel. And we had Misa, who was half husky, half Dalmatian. And Misa has since passed, unfortunately. But hey, she was 16. She had a good life. And she was a rescue dog. Again, just hashtag rescue dogs. So we have the two dogs in the car. And my I'm like, what the hell was that? Because obviously not a car. And it's not a deer. Mm-hmm. I just saw this black mass come out in front of the car. And he goes, I just hit a bear. I'm sorry. A bear just ran into us. <laughs> Because he goes, I slowed down and it just kept barreling towards me. And you would not believe the damage to our car. <laughs> it was ridiculous. Oh, I, I would. I actually saw a uh, up north a bit a few years ago. There was a person that cra- on a highway that crashed into a bear. And it was not good. It was not a good scene for sure. They are huge animals that should not be taken lightly. On that note, one of my dreams in life is to have a fist fight with a bear. Uh, I will just end that story, though, by saying that my husband, because he was in shock and wasn't thinking properly, got out of the car. (laughs) To fist fight the bear. Both dogs are in the car on high alert because they're like, what's going on? We smell something. We know something's out there. This bear was gone. So it was a ghost bear. It might have been a ghost bear. It just kept going. It literally ran into the car. And then just because at first my husband thought that he killed it because, you yeah. know, 
but no 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 he probably just like injured you we had to call the cops because of the insurance reasons and then he came out and took notes and you know he was like uh believe it or not this happens all the time and he was like it actually was most likely a black bear considering like where we were in virginia they were very prominent there yeah and we were just like we've been driving this road for like 15 years and we've never seen a black bear anywhere here so uh it was creepy but anyway yeah fist fight a black bear i was like get the fuck back in the car what the fuck are you doing (laughs) oh so on another aside completely not about bears anymore i had a little conversation on twitter with um someone actually as mission spooky not myself she was talking about the marie kondo idea of minimalism are you familiar I am familiar with it, but for our listeners that might not be, why don't you explain? (laughs) It's about decluttering your life and only keeping objects in your house that bring you joy. Well, everything in my house brings me joy. And it's about, like, not hoarding anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those crappy non-American lifestyles. Yeah. Oh, goodness. So the point was that as Americans, we have a tendency to poke fun uh, at things that are foreign, right? And I said, it is actually easy to poke fun at this. Um, and, and I've laughed at plenty of jokes about it. But honestly, it got me thinking. And I mentioned this to the to the woman, too. I was like, so maybe hoarding objects and keeping them hidden and not in use can lead to a cursed object. Like fucking dolls, for example. Because it's that same concept of ghosts going to places that haven't been inhabited for a long time. They go to like, quote unquote, the empty spaces, which Mm -hmm. is not a new concept. But I feel like, yeah, if if it's not in use and it's just tucked away somewhere, and if an object, as Marie Kondo says, can take on a life of its own, then uh, maybe that's where cursed objects come from. And I know this isn't, this isn't anything new either. I've heard I've heard this before from other people, but it just got me thinking about that when she was talking about, you know, how easy it is to make fun of the concept, but then when you put it in like, like a paranormal type way too, it's uh, I don't know, it's just something to think about, guys. Be careful when you go shopping for objects. Don't bring anything back. Just don't bring anything back. <laughs> just don't go antiquing anymore. Just forget it. It's, it kind of freaks me out. Bringing like old things into the home is kind of cool on one hand, but then you're like. What if this is like a haunted writing desk? You know, then then you get your own TV show about um, stealing objects from people's homes because they're quote unquote haunted. Oh, this ten thousand dollar painting, super haunted. I have to take it. No, I don't. Zaphis, paranormal investigator. Can't remember his first name. Zaphis. He has a museum, apparent of the paranormal. I think it's in Massachusetts. I have to look that up. I'll let you spooksters know. So he just goes around and says, "Oh yeah, this is haunted." Back up to me. Yeah, did you ever see it's is there's a TV show that now completely slips my mind after I was just gonna say no, it. No, well, I never saw the TV show. Yeah, so doesn't wouldn't help. Um, so here's the thing. Okay, hear me out on all of this. I recommend people reuse and and go antiquing. Uh, antiques can be beautiful, and if you happen to bring a cur- quote unquote cursed object into your house, you can always uncursify it. So, you know, if it really goes well in the voyeur or <laughs> the voyeur, you know, that one spot. You mean the foyer? No, I said what I said and I meant it. Okay. 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 
Oh, so wait, is the voyeur a place where people could go to to possibly look at people? It's like a people watching room. Whoa. You know what? Just cut this whole thing. Put it in the bloopers. Yeah, don't go to Goodwill and buy stuff, guys. Because most of those places, like, you know, your money goes to, like, big-time rich CEOs and not actually helping the community that you're in. But on the flip side, though, uh, you're right. I do believe in, in reusing. I'm just joking. I, I go antiquing all the time, but I tend to only buy something if it's going to be, A, useful, has to have a purpose. Yeah. And, uh, and B, if it doesn't feel like it's haunted, <laughs> which... I have the added bonus of just being able to pick things up and just know, hey, uh, that shouldn't come home with us. That needs to stay right where it is. And if anybody else out there has that same gift, ooh, send me an email about it. Like, because be, that could be a cool episode. Send us emails about cursed objects as well. I'm interested in those and how to uncursify them. <laughs> uncursify is going to be uh, one of my t-shirt designs. I'm calling it. Nice. Yeah uncursify that's awesome uh yeah oh, we're definitely doing episode on haunted ob- different episodes on different haunted objects especially ones that uh are here in pennsylvania yeah or from let's pennsylvania. just avoid dolls and yeah fuck dolls yeah yep. fuck dolls so yeah what are we talking about today kiddos well we're gonna break for our sponsor oh yeah sponsors i know hey we've made like four dollars i think that's pretty impressive <laughs> Thank you, guys. We can order off the dollar menu, you know? But I'm not going to be, oh, like this biatch that I saw on uh, Twitch who literally called out her viewers about not paying her to do her, quote, job on Twitch, which was basically just her sitting in a chair talking about watching other YouTube videos. I, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, I'm just telling you. I'm never going to call you guys out. If, you, if you're listening... And you like what you hear and you don't have money to like support us. I don't give a shit. That, that's cool, man. You yeah, know, just I barely to our had, ads. Yeah, right. Every we time you listen to those. an ad, we get a little something. So, yeah. hey, that's cool. It's cool. And we're going to have swag. And I'd rather, honestly, I'd rather that you buy swag, that you enjoy. See, Marie Kondo, coming back to it. If it brings you joy to wear one of our cool t-shirts we're going to design, then so be it. Sure, yeah. But anyway, Sounds good. <laughs> talking about our sponsor... We're going to take a break, and when we come back, today's topic is the history. Grumple fuck. <laughs> it's when two guys, or um, two ladies, or a man and a lady, are grumbling as they perform intercourse. Right? Because that's why I did research on Kiki. I watched so many videos. No, it's actually the history and haunting of Grumble Thorpe. Oh, shit. I watch so many things. Which, by the way, in case you're wondering what the translation of Grumblethorpe possibly could have been, well, I'll tell you it, its origins when we get into it, but it basically means a village of where people complain. Sounds like my kind of place. All right, Spooksters, welcome back. JC's going to take a nap for about the next 15 minutes. However long this shit is, because the research I did... Apparently has no weight on what we're going to be talking about here, as all I did was watch old people making love and grumbling about it. So Grumblethorpe is an essential Revolutionary War site. How essential? It's essential in that it's definitely a site that you want to visit if you're interested in Revolutionary War history or 
hauntings. Want to know the best part of the Revolutionary War? All them damn ghosts? Nope. Oh. Merkel, fuck yeah. So I think we have to pay them every time we say it, don't we? Oh, uh, yeah. Most of our money is going to go right to that. And as we talk about these historic haunted homes, I'm thinking that when I build the website at some point, um, that will make sort of a list of the quote unquote essentials. So we could do like res- Revolutionary War, Civil War, Simply Historic. That way, if investigators are looking for specific venues, we can provide sort of this map for everyone, especially out-of-towners. We'll see. Uh, maybe I could get to it between <clears throat> season one and season two. <laughs> I hate the word season. <laughs> when we take our summer break. <laughs> <laughs> Which has got to be like three weeks. Like, that's not a break between seasons. Well, it'll be four weeks. I don't like it. Well, whatever. I don't like it. We don't have to say season. We could just keep going. I'm just saying, like, we, Mama Bear is going to need to take, a, like, a four-week four weeks off in the summertime because we got stuff to do with Baby Bear. That's all I'm saying. What's with you and bears today? I don't know. <laughs> all right, let's like talk about Grumblefuck. It's a side theme. Yeah, let's get to it because this one is very heavy on history. There's a lot of cool stuff in here. Take a nap. Yep, I'm gonna go to sleep, guys. Just turn that mic off so I'm not listening to you snore over there. <laughs> That's still too loud. <laughs> so, Grumblethorpe, or John Wister's Big House, as it was formerly called, was built as a summer residence in 1744 by Philadelphia merchant and wine importer John Wister. And it's built in Germantown, which at the time was a semi-rural area outside Philadelphia. It eventually becomes the family's year-round residence when they withdrew from the city during the yellow fever epidemic of 1793. That's going to come to play a little bit later on, too. It's built from stone quarried on and oak cut from the Wister's extensive property. The house is a prime example of domestic Pennsylvania German architecture of the period. It actually is a lovely house. I can confirm that as I did look at pictures of this house. Love the architecture. Very rustic. Because it was built on the fertile soil of Schuylkill Valley, Grumblethorpe's garden was among the most productive in its region. It was primarily a working farm, and it dominated Philadelphia's horticultural trends for nearly two centuries. It is part of the National Registry of Historic Places and is a National Historic Landmark. The gardens are undergoing restoration, and the property remains a vibrant center for hands-on education with the Grumblethorpe Youth Volunteers Program, which includes a seasonal organic farm stand, which I highly recommend. There is also an Oktoberfest celebration, which looks amazing, and I want to go to that this year. And it's also a location of reenactments uh, for especially the Battle of Germantown, which have after parties called Grumblefest. Members of the Wister family are known for their contributions to American literature, horticulture, historical preservation, and astronomy. I want you guys to know this because um, down the road here, we're going to be talking about the hauntings, and some of them occur right in front of people who are very highly educated and were taken pretty seriously at the time, too. So John Wister's brother, Casper Wister, which is a different spelling for the last name, but it is still the same family, was a glass blower and prominent landowner in his own right. His grandson, also Casper, was a physician and anatomist, whom the genus of flower, Wisteria, is named. 
The Worcester Institute, named after Casper, is the nation's first independent biomedical research institution. Owen Worcester is the author of the well-known American uh, Western, The Virginian, lived nearby and spent summers in his youth here. Sally Worcester, who lived in the house during the Revolution, kept a diary of her experience and perspective on the changing nation. Her diary remains in publication today and provides insights into the thoughts of teenagers in the 18th century. Charles Jones Wister, who named the house Grumblethorpe after reading the humorous 19th century book, Thinks I to Myself, was known for his finely crafted scientific tools and his broad knowledge of the sciences. Charles kept a weather diary and recorded the weather every day for decades. Today, these records are still used by forecasters in Philadelphia region as a benchmark for declaring the hottest or coldest days on record. Period furnishings and the personal property of the Worcester family who occupy the home for over 160 years are displayed throughout the house, including the writing desk used by Owen Worcester. Other authentic and interesting things to see at Grumblethorpe include the oldest ginkgo tree in America, a rent receipt from John Wister for a tenant in one of their city properties named Benjamin Franklin, a great colonial kitchen, and a forge. For all of these years, the home only saw one real tragedy, and that occurred during the Revolutionary War. You still okay over there, JC? You haven't fallen asleep yet. Uh, yeah, I'm okay. I'm doing research on other subjects. <laughs> I definitely don't have a mature fetish anymore right now (laughs) no no i didn't gain that doing research for this video that'd be crazy so in september 1777 the house was the scene of the events in the battle of germantown while the wisters were staying in another home british general james agnew occupied the house as his headquarters during the battle some will say that agnew kicked the family out while others insist that the general was a kind and gracious man and that he simply asked the wisters who were Quakers, to relocate to one of their other properties. Quakers are pacifists, and even a young Casper Wister had been involved in treating victims from both sides of the fighting, which eventually led him to becoming a physician. Agnew had come to America in 1775, and he was engaged in the Battle of Long Island in 76. In 1777, Agnew accompanied British forces on an inland raid against Patriot supply depots in Danbury, Connecticut. After successfully destroying the supplies, the British forces engaged and defeated Continental Army Generals David Worcester, Benedict Arnold, and Gold Silliman, and Patriot militiamen in the Battle of Richfield. Agnew was at the Battle of Brandywine, where he was wounded. You might remember the battle mentioned in our Grand Park episode. Our traitor from that episode, Ferguson, was also in that battle. But it's while leading his 4th Brigade in support of Lord Cornwallis at the Battle of Germantown, where things take a turn for the worst. This battle was well fought by the Americans, but they would wind up losing. The fighting is slowed, though, when General Agnew is mortally wounded by a civilian sniper named Hans Boyer, firing from behind the wall of the graveyard of the Mennonite Meeting House. His soldiers brought him back to the headquarters and John Wister's big house on Germantown Avenue, a 20-minute walk where he bled to death in the front parlor. And his bloodstain is still on the floor there. Now, I noticed that his burial was in a family plot named De Beneville, located on North Broad Street in Philly. I did some investigating because I thought it was strange. Bear with me for a moment because we're going to talk about this family for just a minute. And I think those of you who have been listening to our other episodes will probably know why. The cemetery was built by Dr. George de Beneville, Sr., 
whose godmother was Queen Anne. He was a very spiritual man and preached in many countries during his early years. He associated with various radical groups such as the Dunkers, the Schwankfelders, and the Rosicrucians, three groups that will come up again and again in future episodes. Here his ideas became more realized and he preached a faith that stressed searching within oneself for the divine while de-emphasizing traditional ritual and doctrine. His beliefs in the importance of pacifism, mysticism, and the separation of church and state would later find a welcoming home in Philadelphia. He went on to befriend the First People's tribes when he arrived here. After becoming a doctor, he treated victims on both sides, specifically during the Battle of Germantown. And when the commander of the British forces wasn't happy where two of his officers were buried, he offered a plot in his own family cemetery. And those two officers were Lieutenant Colonel John Byrd and General James Agnew. Both were originally buried in what was called the Lower Burial Ground of Germantown, which we now know as Hood Cemetery. And that's located at 4901 Germantown Avenue. General Howe, the commander of the British forces, wanted his officers moved to a nicer, more protected slash secret location. And de Beneville, godson of Queen Anne, offered his family cemetery in Philly. The inscription on their new joint tombstone read, Here lie the remains of General James Tanner Agnew, a British officer who was killed at Germantown on the 4th of October, 1777, and of Lieutenant Colonel John Byrd, a British officer who died in Germantown on or about the 4th of October, 1777. The bodies of the above were removed from the lower barrel ground Germantown by the order of General Howe and placed in this cemetery, with the consent of Dr. George de Beneville, in May 1778, rest in peace. This stone was erected in their memory by His Britannic Majesty's Government, October 4th, 1903. So it took a while for them to actually build, like, a nicer tombstone for the two of them after they realized they were buried there. So Agnew's body was in the ground for almost seven months before it was moved. <laughs> it's kind of gross. <laughs> yeah. It was the time, you know. He was definitely a little squishy. You got to figure. You he think had... they carried the actual body or, <laughs> you know, maybe used the box that he was probably stored in? Well, I mean. You went to college for this stuff, didn't you? Well, that's what I'm saying. You know, they just don't. Like, it's only uh, seven months. They just probably picked up the coffin. Well, that's what I'm saying. Well, they didn't poke the body. No, but. You said it was ew. squishy. I'm, say I'm saying he was already squishy by Well, then. yeah, he was, but yeah. that didn't stop them from lifting up Did the I say anything about not taking the, the coffin? You of made it seem like oh. you were judging people who do manual labor for, for <laughs> uh, money, okay? First of all, they're killed at this battle and they're just shoved into the nearest cemetery because that's how As it works. As it should be. And there's in Hood Cemetery, there are, there's, I think, 40 some Revolutionary War victims buried there. Um, yeah. So what, all I'm saying is that there had to be a smelly 30 minute walk <laughs> from, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Okay. So you got to figure, poor Agnew, he's got a wife and son back in England. He dies on foreign soil and he gets moved from the place he died at to an all but nicer place 30 minute walk but another location nonetheless this tied to how he died probably not knowing exactly what happened to him at first a sniper hit him and then he bleeds out on the floor of this borrowed house one has to think the story is perfect for a haunting and if you're thinking it you're right several witnesses have reported seeing a black mist rise from agnew's blood stain on the floor and yes it is still there 
Others have heard a pained moan in the parlor, especially on the anniversary of Agnew's death. No full body apparitions or anything super exciting, but it definitely feels like he's still lingering there in some capacity. A little bit of side trivia before I get into the next haunting, which is definitely more compelling. Bert Bell, coach of the Eagles from 1936 to 1940. His first name is actually De Beneville. On his mother's side, he is related to these De Benevilles. Go sports ball. Yeah, sports ball and stuff and things. Wowzers. Good factoids. <laughs> I thought that was cool. <laughs> There's another ghost in this house who makes herself known much more. And that's Justinia Hamburger. Are you ready for this? Sure, yeah. Throw it at me, Captain. <laughs> All right. So according to legend, Justinia's father, Justin, died in 1793 during the Philadelphia yellow fever epidemic. She was orphaned, but taken immediately by the Wisters. That sounds like I get the Wisters is probably just their last name, but taken immediately by the Wisters. <laughs> like, that sounds creepy. Like, their last name is spooky and taken Wister. immediately by the Wisters. Wister, Wister, like is it Wisteria, the flower. Wister. That's what I'm saying, isn't it? Oh, I thought you said Rister. I don't know. <laughs> I'm saying what I say. How okay. Anyway, she was taken in by the Wisters immediately. Uh-huh. One of Justinia's favorite pastimes was baking bread. It's a good pastime. It is. I want to eat all the bread because I'm still on Genkido and I will be for the next six months. Guess what? I know. I can eat bread whenever I, I want. It's fine. Whatever. I'll make my own bread. There's, there's something called cloud bread. It works. Anyway, she baked bread every Friday night for the purpose of distributing it to the poor on Saturday mornings. Oh, Very sweet. I know. She's a really sweet girl. Very sweetie. Then, late one evening in 1820, Justinia appeared to John Wister's daughters in their bedroom, believing that Justinia was at their other home on Market Street, several miles away. The girls were a bit startled by her sudden presence. The following morning, the Wister family learned that Justinia had passed away the night before. True yeah, story. That's spooky if I've ever heard spooky. Ever since her death, people have insisted that her spirit lingers in Grumblethorpe and is most often seen on Friday evenings after sunset, usually accompanied by the smell of freshly baked bread. So y'all know where I'm going on a Friday night when the weather breaks. She is a friendly presence and has also been seen by many children who visit the house with their parents. I'm going to take my kid there. So he could see a ghost? Yeah. He won't know it's a ghost. Unless he does. I was three years old when I saw my first ghost, and I didn't know until I was almost 30 that I'd even seen a ghost. That's a long story. Anyway, aside from visitors, staff members at Grumblethorpe have had paranormal experiences that defy any logical or scientific explanation. An education director recalled seeing a black shape low to the ground, spinning very quickly from the dining room into the colonial parlor. The director responded by saying, I'm not in the mood for this, after which the shape disappeared. The director's son also saw that same black shape. Its description matched the entity seen near James Agnew's blood spot. Other staff members have claimed to see figures or eyes in the dining room mirror. Some young volunteers have admitted that their own parents were too afraid to pick them up at Grumblethorpe. One volunteer recalled a particularly unnerving experience in an upstairs room. Walking through the room with two other staff members during the middle of the day, she noticed their shadows cast on the floor but she also notices a fourth shadow that didn't belong to anyone in the room. 
one that was clearly wearing a dress when everyone else was in jeans. Despite these occurrences, those who work and volunteer at Grumblethorpe have never felt threatened, though. Especially if it's Justinia. She's a very sweet girl when she was alive. She's a very sweet girl in death as well. General Agnew, I feel like that might be just some sort of residual leftover presence. and um, Not so much of an intelligent haunting? No, not that one, no. And I was talking to you briefly about that whole idea that it's kind of interesting how when there's, when I feel like there's a residual and a, an intelligent haunting together, it's okay. It works out okay. But I've seen a lot of instances where two intelligent hauntings sometimes don't get along. Like sometimes it's, it's there's a lot of like conflict there. Yeah, conflict. Um, I'll say I've heard a lot of mixed stories. So sometimes you'll have... A protector spirit that is intelligent, protecting the family members from the uh, hostile negative spirits in the house. And other times, there's multiple hostile negative energies that do not necessarily work together and might conflict with each other. And they're not, like, from the same event, so it's not like... There might be a hundred years separating their stories or whatever, but they're both energies in the house. I will say residual hauntings tend to occur where there are intelligent hauntings because it usually means something fucked up happened there. Yeah, so I did um, a little bit of extra research, too, on, on Hood Cemetery because it's really a beautiful. Do you know where it's at? Yeah. I actually, where the hood at? I just gave the address. Where, where the hood at? Like earlier. Yeah, I gave everybody the address. Of the hood? Of the hood, yeah. So you tell everyone where the hood at? I did, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Anyway. um, I am a child, thank you. It is a very beautiful cemetery. And I tried to find out if if there was any kind of hauntings or anything going on there. Because it is, you know, this burial site for all of these people who died in the Revolutionary War. Um, among other people. Um, nothing specific, but still worth checking out, even because because it's really pretty. And obviously, if you're going to go to any of these locations, they're all national registry places. Please be respectful. And um, I think they do uh, some ghost hunting type things with other paranormal investigators in the area. Like ghost tour esque yeah. stuff. Okay. Yeah. So definitely, you know, you might be able to check those hook out. into that. You can definitely go there yourself and take a tour. I would suggest doing that in the spring or the summer because the gardens there are gorgeous, and um, you have an opportunity to help out that youth organization by um, supporting their organic farms. I think that's really neat. Just make sure you follow any and all rules that the, you know, evolve going involve going to a public location. For their, um, you know, activities. Don't be a dick bag is what I'm saying. And I'm, I'm actually not one for... Dick baggery? Dick baggery, no, but not for reenactments. I went through a lot of that, like, in the South. They do, like, the friggin' Civil War, like, blah, blah, blah. I, uh, Civil War history, I don't care. Absolutely hate it. It's just, whatever, man. My family wasn't here. My family didn't even, none of my family, none of them were here until like the 
30s. Okay, so (laughs) we had absolutely no stake whatsoever in the Civil War. Revolutionary War, though, super cool. Love it. My ancestors in England got a lot of stuff going on, like back and forth about how they actually were. So when you guys lost that war, yeah. Actually, funny story. You guys Um, lost the war. I know. My ancestors in England were fighting for the Revolutionary War in their own ways. They were writing pamphlets, for example, Sir John Wollstenholme being. So last episode, you said how you're okay with rewriting history. Now you're okay with rewriting history even more. See, see. No, no, no. He was saying. He was saying though. Listen, he. It, it was him. There was another Wollstenholme that actually moved to North Carolina at one point. Um, they did. They were kind of like taking the stance of economically speaking, it might be a good idea to just let them go. Oh yeah, it definitely you was. Know? Just let them do their own thing and and have also, us as a trade partner. And and let me better. tell you, this is a perfect exactly a trade partner. And this is exactly another good point too. You don't realize how many English families were pissed about their kids dying their husbands dying in a foreign country and those bodies never getting returned back to the homeland general agnew john bird being two of them right here just in this story alone there's 42 others those are those 42 i'm talking about are actually they are revolutionary victims and and that's british there's more buried there that were american revolutionists as well so yeah just keep that in mind not all of england was for keeping America. <laughs> there was many there were many good reasons to let it go. Okay, so we, before we become a full-on history podcast. <laughs> but we are labeled as history. Yeah, but paranormal history. So let's get back to the spooks. Yeah, okay, the spooks. Spooks. Yeah, but anyway, um yeah, we we're just wrapping it up. We we're just saying, yeah, I feel like there is enough there are enough stories, there's enough people who've talked about this and reported on as well like magazines. I'm picking up this information from magazine articles and also from a book that was written about the area so okay yeah i feel like it's uh it's got a very good potential to be haunted yeah definitely seems like it's there uh from the stories you know you've said and other ones i researched researched with a wink guys and absolutely putting it on my list of of go-to places and it's kind of sad i've been to a lot of places in bucks county that would be considered haunted but i've also missed a lot of them which is why i want to talk about this one because this one i didn't know about no nice not at all this is very cool it never came up on my radar right so i promise since we've done four episodes about bucks county haunting and we've only really done like two on lehigh county <laughs> yeah uh-huh <laughs> so i promise i've made the promise and it's already in stone because in a couple weeks, we're going to be talking about the King George Inn, which is in Allentown, and that's in Lehigh County. Sure is. Yay. So, yeah, we done? We are going to take a break for our musical guest from Tucson, Arizona, the new monitors, who were just the monitors when they wrote this song about our beautiful state entitled Pennsylvania.
right, so thank you so much for listening today, Spooksters. If you want to join the squad, head on over to patreon.com slash mission spooky. We have tiers at the one and two dollar levels. One single buck gets you. Why are you pointing at me as though I know any of this information? It's all in front of you, Kiki. I'm so tired of saying it though, JC. You look look. I have to say the intro. It's like one second long. Your intro is literally like three seconds. You suck. For the right amount of money, I'll do more than suck, buddy. God. One single buck gets you our undying gratitude and a shout out on the cast. And the $2 level gets you access to our booper reels, which, guys, I'm telling you, there's so much stuff that JC says I have to cut out. It's ridiculous. You guys have very little idea. So many (laughs) If you have any story that you want to share, feel free. We're going to be doing some themed episodes in the very near future where we interview folks and add stories from our listeners, too. So send your stories to missionspookypodcast at gmail.com. Feel free to email us questions or comments on any of the previous episodes. If you are a PA, New Jersey, or Delaware band, and you own your own music, and you would like to be featured on our podcast, please feel free to contact us through private message on Instagram or Twitter. You'll get me. Or you can email us directly at missionspookypodcast at gmail.com. You will find all of our musical guests on Spotify by typing Mission Spooky 2020 in the search bar. We're going to be continually adding to that list as we go. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Mission Spooky. And now at our Facebook page that JC rules with an iron fist. Don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes. Just remember to be kind. Also rate and review us on Podchaser. Taking us out are the new monitors with Pennsylvania off their 2011 album, Commuter. You can find all of their music on bandcamp.com. Go show them some love. And as always, stay spooky and don't die. But if you do, contact us. Via telepathy, um, I'm tired of reading things, guys. Just put the images and thoughts directly into my mind. Thank you. You've become my man.